0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal.
0: Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it!
1: From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. Two, nil, Whoa! Golden Gold, Soccer Stars and the Moments That Made Them, premiering this summer on Blue Wire. What's up, everybody? This is the Prince of Queens, Brian Myers, and the host of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, it
0: is now time! Oh, no...
2: Oh yeah! I finished these fights. Yeah, hell
3: yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going, today
2: Woo! What's up, guys? This is the Monday edition of Top Rope Nation. Ryan here, and we're gonna try something a little bit different today. We've actually never done this in the entire history. Of Top Rope Nation, which is now over 150 episodes deep. We thought for today's Monday show, we'd kind of deep dive back into the show's history, present, I guess you could kind of call this a greatest hits edition of Top Rope Nation. Uh, we've had so many new listeners to the show in the last one year that we have this really deep back catalog of shows. And a lot of the new listeners have just never heard of a lot of the content that we did a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and so on. And so we thought today we would present something from the archives. And uh, this discussion happened back on the March 14th, 2019 edition of the show. It was episode 88, so we're talking almost a year and a half ago. Uh, this was around the time when The when the Shield reunited Right before Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, left the WWE, and uh, we were talking about what were the greatest factions in pro wrestling history. So myself, Kyle, and Justin, we put together our top 10 list of the greatest factions in wrestling history. So what we're going to do here is we're going to present that discussion back from episode 88. Hope you enjoy it if you've never heard it. And if you did hear it, maybe give it a second listen. So, we're going to go back in time, listen to that. We'll be back on Thursday morning with a new edition of Top Rope Nation. We'll see you then. Enjoy this discussion from the archives. The Shield, huge moment this week. So, it got us thinking, like I said, where do they rank historically? And I started making a list. Justin made a list. I'm sure Kyle's list is up in his head, but Kyle's a walking encyclopedia of pro wrestling knowledge. Well, so.
0: When Justin asked this, it's like, "Oh, what, like I already didn't have that list.
2: Yeah, he <laughs> probably have like a spreadsheet already made. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I had a difficult time with this because I think it's hard to rank a current act. You know, if five, ten years from now, when we look back, well, I think their ranking will even go up from where it is now. but in the in the time period, it's always kind of hard because we look back with uh, especially like things from our childhood with a little bit of nostalgia. and I don't know. I tried to when I was making my list, I tried to think of it because it depends what you're ranking. You know, are you ranking them as being successful? Are you ranking them for me having great matches? Are you ranking them for uh, like pop cultural significance? I put a lot of uh, like popular culture significance within my list because I feel like there's three or four teams that are just so like beyond any other stable in wrestling history that it's, it's hard to top. Um, but then, like, the Shield's right there, right after that, I think. So, Justin, give us your thoughts.
3: Well, I, I, I kind of looked at it as the, the same way as you. I, I had four things in mind, and that's impact on, I think, wrestling, which is kind of like the pop culture thing, too. Uh, the members, so, like, did the group make them stars? Were they already stars? Um, was there filler? Uh, then three, uh, any kind of great storylines they were involved in? And then four was, you know, the quality of their matches. Mm-hmm. Where is, those were the things i was looking for and i well, and i tried to be objective but obviously when it comes to wrestling it's mostly going to be subjective and because of my age it's biased towards factions since 1990 mm-hmm.
2: yeah same um kyle your initial thoughts and your rationale i,
3: I could just parrot
0: what you said uh, both you said but ryan in particular Oh, jerk. (laughs) Finally, I I
2: get some credit on this. I love you, Justin.
0: You know that. (laughs) There were three that immediately jumped. Like, I was like, all right, these are the top three fractions. And it's, you know, undisputed, to quote Adam Cole. But um, after that, like, for me, I started thinking, I was like, yeah, the shield measures up pretty well. And, you know, um, the sort of pop culture transcendence impact on the business also for me is all is the biggest factor whenever I evaluate wrestling. I know a few what was it, last year, um place to be nation when they did like their greatest WWF slash E wrestler of all time. To me, I just don't know how your top five in some order is not, you know, Hogan, Austin, Rock, Bruno, and Cena. Like those like I know Mount Rushmore sport people, but like that's those five are like the Mount Rushmore of the of Titan sports.
2: Yeah. And to be clear with our factions list, we're we're looking at all of wrestling. So beyond WWE, we're, we're considering WCW, um, NWA, Crockett Promotions, all of that. Uh, New Japan as well. So uh, to just start it off, when you look at the top of the list, to me, it comes down to two. And I have a hard time deciding like who I would rank among those two as the, the best faction of all time. But it's the Horseman and the NWO. Would you guys agree for your top two? Or who did you have in your top two, Justin?
3: <laughs> neither of those
2: really oh, oh that's surprising yeah. Kyle did you uh they were both in my top three yes. wait
3: wait wait. Who, who did you say who's your first one
2: so I'm going back and forth between the horseman and the NWO okay,
3: yeah no um, I'm sorry I do have one of those in my top two
2: okay I I felt like in the top three I had the horseman the NWO and DX I feel like those three are pretty solid at
0: the top yes those are my top three but DX is above the NWO Okay. I actually had to think about that. Um, to me, the horsemen are pretty... If you want to start... Well, I guess if... I They're the go-to. You know, I guess I, if you don't think the horsemen are the top faction of all time, I'd be interested to listen to your argument for that. But to me, it's just like they're kind of the standard for which every other faction is judged on. Yeah. And I mean, the horsemen had some lean years and some poor lineups. There's no doubt about it. But, um, you know, for me, those, you know, like you said, Ryan, were the clear top three. Like I actually, there's a significant drop off just because of the impact on the promotions that those Mm -hmm. three had compared to everyone else. I mean, there's some that we really liked, but, you know, maybe the impact wasn't there. But um, NWO was three for me because as much as they, you know, strapped the rocket to WCW business, you can make a pretty strong argument they were just as important in killing that company
2: yeah that's true it got really watered down especially when they started doing the different groups with the the red and the white um yeah i i ended up going with the horseman i think for number one just because of longevity and although they had lean groups like kyle said it didn't get watered down to the point of the nwo i think pop culture significance the nwo outranks the horsemen because they were on top during a more popular era but i think you know if you throw up the four i think a lot of people even beyond wrestling that were around like in the 80s at least would know what you're talking about um, but not to the lovely NWO, like growing up in the nineties, if you went to the mall, you saw NWO shirts. Like yes. everyone is familiar with the NWO shirt. So I think pop culture wise, NWO of the factions and DX are probably at the top because of the era. But, uh, when you look at the whole picture, like match quality storylines, the people that are in the groups, like Justin was saying for his rationale, pretty tough to beat the Horsemen as, as a whole package. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Justin.
3: I would just, you know, to add on, on the NWO thing, it's, they are, you know, one of the most impactful factions in the history of wrestling, just because of the boom it created for wrestling. And, uh, to kind of kickstart it off was one of the greatest moments in wrestling history was Hogan turning heel. Um, and with the four horsemen, their origins and those original teams, especially, you know, my favorite being the one that included Barry Windham, they were so good that It could, that was one of the few factions where you could take a guy, put him in the four horsemen, and it makes him more prestigious. And not only that, but even today, you can just go around the WWE roster and say, like, oh, he would be a good horseman type, you know, uh, wrestler. Mm -hmm. Um, But having said that, I had the horsemen too and NWO four, just because NWO is like, for one, their storyline, they had a couple good storylines, but it always led to just the most disappointing matches you've ever seen they never had great matches as a faction um so really you just had you know the origins and the boom and then you know a year and a half later it just like kind of like how kyle pointed out started sinking that company
2: mm-hmm. so who'd you have number one? Oh man
3: i had bullet club slash oh they're
0: gone. <laughs> i have
2: them fourth so i'm not like too far away from you but i i do have them fourth actually i think my top four are pretty well set, and after that, it's really tough. I feel like after the top four, the Shield can really come anywhere. You know, to get the so, Shield back into this discussion.
3: My, my argument for Bullet Club is I feel like it's to a lesser extent, but similar to the NWO, they, they have this pulp culture significance on the wrestling industry. There is not a wrestling show you can go to where you are not going to see some variation of a Bullet Club shirt. It, it transcended... Japan, like it oh, reached yeah. all the way across, you know, the ocean and came over here to the United States. It created stars. It put Finn Balor on the map. Um, it did a, a ton for AJ Styles. It did a ton for uh, Kenny Omega in the Bucks. And it's and it basically led to what should be, you know, the third or second most interesting wrestling company in the history of uh, uh, professional wrestling.
2: Yeah, I I had them for and pretty much all the reasons that you listed there. Um I don't know that WWE since the heyday of Austin and the Rock have released a t-shirt that's pop cultural significance reaches what the Bullet Club has. Like you're right. You you see those shirts everywhere. Indie shows, WWE shows, unbelievable. Um I think man, 3 or 4 years ago, I had like an argument with some people on Twitter about is is uh, the Bullet Club pop culture? And they all said no. And I'm like, Are you guys crazy? <laughs> like, you're seeing these shirts everywhere. It's definitely pop culture. And, and that was when they had signed, you know, to have the shirts at Hot Topic and all that. And they just, yeah.
3: Yeah. I really think it just raised awareness for quote unquote independent wrestling and just it, it widened the entire landscape.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's never been anything close outside of WWE, you know, since WCW. We're not a business. They got to this level as the Bullet Club, so and yeah, membership wise, a lot of big stars, great workers, lots of great matches with these guys. Uh, pretty much carried New Japan for the last several years. At they least, it. A
0: business. I mean, people forget Japan. You know, in the early part of the century, no one was talking about Japan.
2: Yeah, like when Brock went there, nobody was talking about it. You know, it was like, yeah, it wasn't. It didn't have the didn't have the prestige maybe for a lot of fans over in North America at least that it did like in the 90s you know yeah, like I, mean, I remember getting the tape trading and I had to get the Japanese tapes but then like through the early to mid 2000s nobody was really talking about Japan right. so it, it definitely got North America on board for sure and uh, uh, you can't really you can't underrate that I mean it, that was huge no, so. look, look, I'll be
0: very honest with you they, they, they have a very strong argument to be the fourth uh, faction on this list for me very strong um i don't think they have the pop culture cachet the top three groups do i think i, I hate this because you know it, it's hard when people get in the wrestling bubble i think within the wrestling bubble like the pop culture or whatever you want to move a first phenomenon the bull club is, is so strong but if you mention bullet club to the public at large do they have any clue what you're talking about? Whereas I feel like the NWO people like that didn't even watch wrestling, just mm-hmm. like whether they wanted to or not knew that the NWO was wrestling DX. I think, you know, you would have people that, uh, you know, if somebody said, Oh, that suck. Like if somebody made a suck it reference, they'd be like, Oh, that's wrestling. Yeah. Everyone uh, knows that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, maybe, maybe the worst, but not. I mean, I don't know. It was tough. You know, NWO and DX, their heyday was when I was in high school and college. So it was easy to tell. Um, so, but, you know, I mean, even the horsemen and people throw up the four fingers, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who know what that means. I would agree. I don't think it, it has reached the pop and, culture success of those three. And Ra- as Randy Orton pointed out, man, the Bullet Club, they're not afraid to borrow a few things. What a <laughs> promo that was by Randall Keith Orton, touching on all the right buttons.
2: Isn't that interesting, though, that uh, if we look at the top four and like me and Justin have them in our top four, number one and number four want this group is started
0: out as like a cosplay of one of the other groups you Mm -hmm. know which is why i don't think you why i personally could not have them above the nwo although again they have you know not yet will not whatever have the destructive influence that the nwo did it really you know when hogan and nash and those guys would just not give up their spots that caused a major problem the nwo basically eight WCW Alive. as much as we all, you know, sometimes give Vince shit because he never portrays outsiders as equal or certainly not better. Mm -hmm. The one example of a promotion allowing an outside group, quote unquote, to look stronger than it's, you know, itself, than the promotion itself, that promotion died. You know, WCW basically was never allowed to fully get its heat back against the NWO and prove that, you know they started calling the pay-per-views wcw slash nwo i remember that was a big talking point in 98 it basically was like oh okay well the nwo is just as important as wcw it's not just this heel invading group that we're going to be back to make wcw even stronger moving forward it basically ate the promotion alive
3: and yeah so obviously the culture at large nwo is you know heads above bullet club you know but as far as you know kind of kayfabe in a way but as far as star making i think bullet club is far better than nwo was unless you want to make an argument for scott steiner or uh, marcus bagwell um and then also you know kind of your point like nwo ended up killing wcw whereas bullet club has kind of created its own new company kind of the exact opposite of what nwo does that's that's, kind of kind of why i rank it a little bit higher
2: yeah to your point your four criteria Pop culture impact, members, storylines, match quality. I'd say the Bullet Club, easily three of those four, for sure. Yeah. Members, storylines, and match quality, i definitely have to go with the Bullet Club. So it's, it's how much do you rank the impact factor, I think. But I think top four, top five, for sure, uh, for me, Bullet Club would be in there. So. I mean, the NWO never
0: did, but it never was about making stars. It was kind of about taking existing guys... Mm-hmm. You know, who were already huge names and, and just banned, you know, it was basically, you know, let's put a bunch of guys who may cut their teeth in WWE, WWF, and, you know, make them an outside type group.
2: You know, like maybe someone like Conan wasn't known to the North, Amer- not the North American, but the United States crowd as much. Like that made him a bigger yeah. star, but he was, he was a big star in Mexico. Well, and
0: and Nash were much bigger stars in WCW than they were as Diesel and Razor Ramon. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if, there is one match I'll point out. If if you've if you think you've never seen a good NWO match, and trust me, there are not many. Slambery '97, the main event of that show, it's the Wolfpack Hall, Nash, and Waltman against Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, and Kevin Green. Give it a watch. I know you're listening to those names, and you're like, "There's no way in hell." Give it a watch. It's in Charlotte. Crowds hot. Kevin Green always, to me, was a guy who could have, you know. Done something in wrestling had he not been still in the nfl it's a fun match
3: i'll tell you what only our kyle ross would pull a match like that <laughs> out of his ass to is, recommend. That,
0: is that 98 97 slambery 97 it's a show that i did not watch it all the time like it was very skippable um but somebody said oh this match is good and i was like oh. and i watched it. i was like holy god like this the heat i mean like the Wolfpack are great heel stooges in the match. They, you know, they work exactly like they should. For people who didn't think the NWO ever gave WCW guys anything, they do in this match. Um, if you remember, if, if just try to jog memories, remember if Nash went on Nitro and cut this kind of shootish promo about Flair and Piper, and about like old guys holding everyone down. The first when he was in WCW the first time uh vaguely okay this that promo led to this match so okay but other than that yeah i mean it's other than the randy savage ddp matches there was i mean not a lot of match quality from the nwo
2: yeah so okay outside of those guys and do you have someone uh, another faction in mind kyle you want to throw in like this top four discussion because no. the same top three as me.
0: Yeah, no, not really. I mean, you know, D, one thing with DX that's interesting is successful both as baby faces and heels. Yeah. And, 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 and every iteration, you know, I mean, I, for me personally, my favorite would always be the Sean Hunter.
1: Mm-hmm. Group
0: when the, the first started. But then they were had a great babyface run with Triple H as the leader. X-Pac and the Outlaws joining in. Then, you know, a year you know after they broke up, they reformed in 99, more or less. X Pocket Outlaws were flunkies for Triple H at that point. The dynamic was a little different as heels, but they were effective in that role. And then, you know, years down the road, obviously the Sean Hunter 2006 babyface iteration is not.
2: I was not a fan thing. of that. I think we talked know, about that on the show before. Yeah,
0: but you know what? It was kind of over. So I guess you have to give them some just do. And here's another thing we have to consider with DX. You know, we talk about the Bullet Club kind of, you know, being a cosplay of NWO. When DX first started in 97, what was the knock on them? Everyone's like, oh, they're WWFs. Kind of, I mean, it wasn't necessarily apples to apples, but people were saying all oh, WWFs trying to have their NWO. I mean, it never grew to this size of the NWO in terms of members, but it very clearly was like the same type deal.
2: Yeah, you know,
0: kind of a, a group of heels who acted like they were above the promotion.
2: Yeah, and plus you had Hall and Nash and everyone knew they were buddies,
0: so. Yes, they, yeah. they the, showed show. The, the, remember when they showed the click incident on a raw what a wild time yeah.
2: yeah it's true really good stuff so far there hopefully you guys are enjoying this conversation but before we go any further i do have to throw a shout out to our good friends over at betonline.ag sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events and there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners bet online get in on the action for this week's big ufc fight or check out odds on nascar formula one and the premier league can't wait for your team to come back bet online has futures odds including win totals division winners and even league championships or check out daily simulations of madden and nba 2k to watch and wager on Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BlueWire to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BlueWire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. I feel like, yeah, you get us outside of this top three or four, and then it's like anybody's ballgame. And so, like, I, I can see how people could rank the shield like fifth, you know, in history. I can also see how people could say, you know uh maybe top 10 maybe just outside the top 10 it just kind of it comes down to what you're a fan of you know and as i look at my list (laughs) it's pretty difficult i'm not not quite sure where i put the shield but i do think top 10 for sure
0: they are easily the best wwe faction post attitude era oh yeah you either be them or evolution and The thing with Evolution is you look at the members and, you know, when they come out, they had a certain cachet and, you know, the the line in the sand is like a really awesome song. But wow, did they preside over a dog period of Raw. I mean, those Raw's were not good when they were on top. Yeah. At all. So that's kind of like a mark against them. And did the Shield ever get a fair run? We need to talk about that because they were broken up way too early. Yeah, certainly
2: broke them up way too early. That that hurt them, for sure. Um, and then
0: they were broken up foolishly. I mean, they're literally the only group that I think has been foolishly broken up twice.
2: Yeah, it's weird because some of these groups, it's like they, they kept on too long, like
0: the NWO,
2: and then here's the group that didn't go long enough.
0: Yeah. I mean, to me, when I watched that the main event in the building, I, I was thinking to myself, imagine breaking this group up. Like, why do they have... like? I get that you want to push them as, you know, individuals, but why do they have to be broken up to do that? Mm-hmm. You can have them still be loosely associated and then when necessary, they can team up. Again. I mean, that 2014 turn was just so ill-timed with, you know, they were on top. They'd just been put over evolution two straight times. And Daniel Bryan, your top baby face, went on the shelf for an extended period of time. You needed a top baby face act. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously, this last time when they did it, the Ambrose heel turn was, you know, an unmitigated disaster.
2: So, would we all agree, like with the Shield, Reigns and Rollins went out onto bigger and greater things? Ambrose, this is the highlight of his WWE run, like unquestionably. Would you guys agree?
3: What? Yeah. Right I mean, he was world champion, but.
2: Yeah. True. I would say, like, his shield, uh, to me, his shield um, his shield run was his height, though. Like, I don't feel, I feel like I had, like, high hopes for him coming out of the shield. And even when he started with the shield, everyone was talking about him. Like, oh, he's, he's the new Roddy Piper. That's
3: that's what's so funny is, like, looking at where they're all at now. And then you look at uh, who they gave the championships mm-hmm. to. Yes. Re- Reigns and Rollins got the tag titles while Ambrose got the United States title. I mean, yeah, it's just amazing to look back on.
2: I, I, it's just like when I'm trying to think where I'm going to rank them, like I don't want to rank the faction based on what the guys did individually. Do you know what I mean?
3: Well, but I think, I, I think that's part of it. I think you should look at what they were able to do with each other and what that propelled them to do later on in their careers and like the superstar, the, the star power involved. Uh, I, I think that's important.
2: Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Kyle?
0: I think that's interesting because let's like look at those top groups we talked about. Like, I feel like a lot of them, you know, again, it wasn't about necessarily with the horsemen. There were some instances, individual, but like Flair was already a made guy when the horsemen started. Flair had been on top for two years, if yeah. not longer, when, when like the horsemen officially started. Um, Tully had been a top guy, Arn had been at the time, you know, Oli Anderson, I mean, these were like, not, you know, new names. Uh, they did Luger was a huge benefit to him to join the group when he replaced, um, Olie but you know, even Barry Windham was already kind of a made guy. He'd been so, with final matches the year before.
3: You, you already kind of pointed out, uh, I think NWO catapulted Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And I would say, uh, DX catapulted triple H.
0: For, yes, for sure. I would. Yeah. And that was a point I was going to get, you know, um, Triple H people forget oh, he was the opposite of interesting mm-hmm. before DX started in the summer of 97. I mean, remember people were always like, God, what are they going to give? I mean, that was a knock mm-hmm. on it. People were like, what are they going to give it up with this guy? Remember the signs? Triple H mid card for life.
2: Yeah. I think Brett kind of bashed him on wrestling with shadows. This is a guy that nobody's ever going to like or something. like the character at the time, the, the mm-hmm. snobby guy. But yeah. yeah
0: give credit. I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at the time when DX started. '97 and a year after that, where Triple H was, you know, this, he was like the second most over baby face after SummerSlam 98, obviously.
3: Mm-hmm. So the the other thing I wanted to say about the Shield real quick is you know obviously they made themselves into superstars, but also I think more than any other faction, uh especially as a faction, by far and away the best matches.
0: Yeah, all their match, all the trios matches are really good.
2: hmm yeah, A lot of these, a lot I mean, of these teams, they didn't have a lot of action matches. Like I think the Hart Foundation, they the Canadian Stampede because the Hart Foundation to me is in the top ten.
0: Yeah, but they same. weren't.
2: I guess they're working some
0: tags here and there. But. Yeah, I mean Owen and Owen and Davey have the raw tag against yeah Austin and Michaels, which is really good. Well, I mean when you talk about match quality, I mean we we got to talk horsemen. I mean War Games. Hello, mm-hmm. you know, um, yep. and Lots of other, you know, you know. By the way, one thing that's interesting, because I, I thought about it, you know, Justin brought this up, and I, and I meant to bring it up earlier, that, you know, he's not alone. I think most people consider the Rick, Arn and Tully, Barry version, the best version of the Horseman. Only around for like a couple months, like five, six months. Like Barry joined in April when he turned on Luger, and then Arn and Tully quit by the fall to go to WWF over money. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, as much as everyone remembers that, you know, and and thinks that, you know, Rick has said himself on DVDs, all that was the best version. He was only around for six months.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing here I've been thinking about as we've been talking is that a lot of we've we've been talking about springboarding people to stardom from these groups. And, And you look at a group like the Heart Foundation for that group. That was like their last hurrah. You know, like all these guys came in established and after the Heart Foundation, none of them were ever like that big again. Obviously,
0: the, WCW blew up Brett. The,
1: the,
3: <laughs>
0: none the, of them were even in the promotion again.
2: Yeah.
3: The the thing with the Hart Foundation, that 97 run, is that was just one of the best storylines. And that was just, it created some of the hottest crowds. It turned two nations against each other as far as wrestling. Yeah, sports. yeah. <laughs>
2: impact-wise, the Heart Foundation ranks really high because that was kind of the start of WWF's business turning the corner. Right before, the, I, that, mean, I guess that's like the start of the Attitude
3: Era, really. I mean, it, it made a, a, a red, white, and blue loving Ryan Drosty by a Canadian family.
2: That's band. right, at Epcot Center in 1997. Oh, I've
0: heard it all now.
2: Yeah, uh, that was, <laughs> my family went to Disney World in the summer of 97, and we went to Epcot Center, and I, I immediately wanted to go to the Canada section so I could get a flag. It's true.
0: My favorite part of the Heart Foundation was the formation. When, remember, Owen and Davey, had been, they'd been teasing a breakup angle for months. And then Brett um, called, pulled a power play actually behind the scenes once they once he agreed to turn heel. Um, for those who don't know, I mean, he basically was like, no, well, I want to do a faction with Owen and Davey. And they just put the kibosh on the split angle. They were work, wrestling Owen and Davey on Raw. Brett comes out and cuts that unbelievable promo that where Owen was like crying at the end, like mm-hmm. that was the best, like seeing Brett and Owen embrace after, you know, basically feuding for over three years at that time was just so great.
2: Yeah. I, <laughs> this, they rank really highly for me. That's one of my favorite periods in wrestling history. <laughs> um, I would put them above the shield personally, just because the storylines were so great. Like I, I like the shield a lot. I don't feel like any of their storylines like grabbed me like what happened
0: with the Art Foundation that year. Um, well, I mean, unfortunately, you know, they're in an era where the classic storylines maybe just aren't there.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: What's the Shield's best storyline? Is it <laughs> What's about that in... Is is it the babyface turn and feuding with evolution?
3: Yeah, I think it's that babyface turn, uh, going from the Wyatt family to crushing uh, Kane and uh new age outlaws into evolution. And then honestly, I think an argument could be made for, uh, this return at fast I mean, obviously that's kind of not a storyline as much as it is just a story.
0: A one-off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like something they'll show on the highlight reels Or always, foundation,
0: yeah. again, not a long shelf life.
2: No, I mean, we're talking eight seven months. months. Yeah. Seven and a half, eight months right in there, starting in March to November. And. Well, it kind of started. Well, Brett's heel turn started in March, I guess. So then we'd be into April. So, yeah. Yeah, seven months it
0: wasn't until april i think that they started and they didn't solidify because like neidhart didn't join till maybe even may or something yeah he came in real late yeah him and pillman i can't remember he had
2: a he had like a contract with some indie groupers i think i feel like we've talked i think we talked about this on the SummerSlam 97 yes um so that's a good uh That's a good uh, spot to promote our Patreon, which I haven't been talking about. Uh, If you like listening to us talk classic wrestling, uh, we started a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. We produced two shows exclusively for Patreon. You can hear like the first 10 minutes, I think, on our podcast feed of the SummerSlam 97 show. We talked a ton about the Heart Foundation on that show. But if you want to hear the whole thing, yeah, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. If we get some more subscribers... We'll start putting out more Patreon-only classic shows like this because we love doing it. We just need people to sign up to make it worth doing, and, and we'll produce more it. shows
0: anyway. I'll do it anyway. Just keep creating, <laughs> I'll, I'll put out content. Yeah. Um. You know, it was a comparable group to me, uh, for the hard foundation, and a group that I think we're all gonna have in our top ten is Dangerous Alliance.
3: Oh, yes. Yeah, like
0: you know, in terms of recess. Now it was not to the level that you know, the WWE's business resuscitated, obviously. But, you know, when Dangerous Alliance got going, people forget, look, I can watch just about any era of like any, you know, any uh, a- any part of WWF, WCW since like the national expansion. I can basically watch any era. The summer of 1991 WCW is absolute unmitigated horseman.
2: <laughs> like when, that like, is such a Kyle Ross. I love that. That like, is such a Kyle when, Ross line. Like right there.
0: that four months after Flair left it is awful. Like it is so bad, and they had no idea what to do. And then here comes a dangerous alliance, man, and things picked up. And you talk about a group where the guys could all be utility guys. They did so many six mans on WCW Saturday Night. You know, tag team matches on clashes. Um, even, you know, it, they technically were not Dangerous Alliance yet at this point, but, like, the Arn and Larry tag match against Dustin and Ricky Steamboat of Clash 17 is, like, one of the best WCW matches of the 1990s. Um, you know, that War Games in Wrestle War 92, many consider that the best WCW match of the 1990s. So they're a group, obviously, who um, is very much near the top, even though, like, you know. 1992 WCW business is not great but I think you know without the dangerous alliance God knows where that promotion would have ended up going into 1992
3: yeah and especially when you look at uh talking about the members yes in, in such a such a uh you know a, a collage of past greats current greats and obviously a future top three wrestler of all time uh and and more than that, all those guys could freaking go in the ring. All mm-hmm. of them; they were just so good.
0: You know, I to, to what you just said. I remember I have like a buddy who like did not watch WCW at all in the early '90s, and I told him like I recommended the Dangerous Alliance. So he he asked me a WCW question. I was like, "You should watch the Dan-. He's like, "Well, who was that?" And I named the members, and he was like, "Holy shit, that's that was a group." I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> "I was like, oh yeah." Turn on that award-winning WWE Network. Educate yourself. Yeah, I mean, because that I mean that is one of the great periods in Ring, at least, of WCW's history. That like first, you know, very end of ninety one into you know the summer of ninety two. This
2: is like the prime Justin Joint era of WCW. Watching as well,
3: it's prime wrestling in general. For me, I mean, (laughs) you know, I was in that sweet spot of being 11 years old and uh, uh my dad had a satellite that got pay-per-views for free and oh boy that was, that, was, that was a good six months for justin
2: i feel like uh, when we became friends like half our discussions were about that era of wcw at the time it's the best yeah. i mean yeah you look at it
0: super bowl which we've mentioned on the show ad nauseum super bowl too um then wrestle war was after that um and beach Blast. I mean, that's like those are three awesome pay per views. You know, WWE Network just put up this that run of superstars in 1992. Those episodes, WCW was much much better during that period than WWF. Mm-hmm. I and, agree. And, yeah, it, nope. it got bad towards the end of 92 for when you know Watts thought Heyman was making too much money and he basically disintegrated Dangerous Alliance. Um, and oh boy, it was it, it was. It's a real small crowds by the end of 92, but man, it was great while it lasted the dangerous alliance. Again, not around long, similar to yeah. the Heart Foundation.
2: Yeah, but you know, if you're not around long, but that period is really good, you can rank them high. I think I'm pretty well set. I think I'm gonna put on my list the Heart Foundation 97 as number five. And then when I look at the rest of my list, I think I'm putting the shield at number six, to be honest. I I look at I got a longer list that goes beyond 10, but I was kind of like trying to mark who I would throw in my top 10. I think, I think of all these, I got the shield and then beyond that it could really go in,
0: in any I order. I want to hear some of your other high, both of your guys, some of your top who's rounded out the top. Cause I assume the seven that we've mentioned so far, we all would consider top.
2: 10. Yeah. I have the dangerous Alliance. Yep. Um, I have the nation of domination. They, um, they
3: just missed my cut.
2: Yeah. yeah. God, they were. Uh, yeah. You look at star making though, man. The rock came into his own in and that's what I kept thinking. I kept coming back to that and they had some really memorable stories too. Like when Ahmed joined the nation, I remember being like blown away.
3: They're <laughs> feud know? with DX.
2: Yeah. yeah. To but, me, but, they rank pretty high, but. Yeah. I, uh, I like, I like but, the
0: rock led version a lot better than the fruit led version.
2: Oh yeah. Me too. I agree more entertaining um so i have the dangerous alliance also that is in top 10 consideration nation of domination evolution i got the new day up there
0: okay so bring them a fat see i didn't know what to do with that yeah i kind of went back and forth on that too but yeah three guys well it's it's not just because it's not the size it's that i just feel that they're a, a tag team more than a stable
3: that has three guys. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I think once you get to three and because I, I had completely forgotten about them, but I haven't, uh, ranked seven is the free birds. And it was like, yeah, but, I didn't even get to experience the real impact they had because that was more down South. And I didn't really get to watch that because you talk to any wrestling fan from down South and they're going to talk about free birds. Versus Von Von Eric's as one of yeah. the greatest feuds of all time.
0: Um, mm. I I, have did a deep dive. I've watched almost all of 83, uh, world-class on the network. Dude, you want to talk about some of the best crowds in wrestling history? Give me the weekly crowd at the Dallas Sportatorium. Oh, yeah. I mean, these people were just absolutely emotionally invested in that feud more than like any crowd has been in any feud in history, really. I mean, the Freebirds are top 10 for me. Um, and And they're more Shield than New Day to me. In terms of being a faction, uh, I've said it before. I think New Day might be the greatest tag team in WWE history. Yeah. And what's funny is we don't think of the Shield as a tag team.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I got the only other ones that, and I, like I said, that was in no particular order. But I'm just going down the list of who I had jotted down in that order. Um, no ranking, but and the only ones left were the Freebirds and the Corporation, which I thought I thought the Corporation did some pretty memorable
0: stuff. Not Teddy DiBiase's Corporation, I hope
2: no 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 because
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, on the list of one of the worst wrestling yeah
2: <laughs> yeah so those are all i guess that puts me at no one, league of Nations. three four five six that's <laughs> actually that's putting me around 11 or 12 these are the ones i'd start as in consideration for my top 10 so i guess from those six i'd have to pick four if i got the heart foundation at five the shield at six I think I'd have to probably, of those, go with the Freebirds next, and that would be like my seventh, and then um, maybe Dangerous Alliance at eight, Nation at nine, and then then I'm picking for my 10th slot between Evolution, New Day, and The Corporation. Uh, I think I, yeah, I might put evolution at number 10. So the new day would just miss it. The corporation would just missed it. And then on the outside others that I really liked, you know, I really liked Raven's flock for a while in WCW.
3: I, I was going to make sure we brought them up. Cause yeah. I, I was a huge fan. Yeah.
2: I liked Raven's flock a lot. Um <laughs> I've been, the watching. Brood them, was pretty cool, you know, but
0: they never did. I, I felt that we should have done more with them. You know, like that was like the thing. Like if you talk to people in the crowds in 98, mm-hmm. Everyone's like, these guys are cool. And, but they never really did anything with them Remember, They just joined that. Okay. You talk about one of the shittiest factions of all time. The freaking ministry of darkness must be mentioned. Cause that was bad. Yeah. Corporate ministry ministry. That was all bad. Do we consider the Heenan? Oh, oh we no,
3: lost we lost Kyle. him. We lost <laughs> him right when he was bringing up something. I really the Heenan wanted family. to talk.
0: That's another
2: one of mine that okay, okay. just kind of misses the top 10 now
3: see. I don't consider them a stable, And if I did, they would be top five. And I don't consider them a stable because they were never really together. It was no, just that's, more yeah. individuals being managed by Bobby Heenan,
2: yeah. it was like you knew the group of people Heenan was with, but you you didn't really like you didn't see them together a lot, like yeah. all of them together. yeah, that's what Kyle, I think like Heenan he family
3: th- they're more of just a tree from Bobby Heenan, yes. yes. Uh, Kyle, you missed it. what i I said was, I don't consider the Heenan family a faction, but if I did, I'd have to have them top five. They were more just individuals all managed by the same person. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. I agree with that. I just I just wanted to throw it out there just for... More,
3: I, I'm glad you... Over I, over I had the, that in my over notes. Over. I just forgot to bring it up.
0: Yeah. I, I wanted to go back to Raven's Flock. I've been watching a lot of early 98 Thunder recently, obviously, after our <laughs> discussion. <laughs> yes. What a th- They were fun. Man, they, they that's really a callback to last week's show, by the way. If you haven't heard it, Yes. yeah. Also, when you I watch early '98 Thunder, like I feel like the same complaints about it, like would apply to modern WWE. You know, it, it very you very much in terms of like it, it's 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 um it's pretty with like some of the storylines, you know, um, kind of not going anywhere sometimes or being forgotten. Um, And, you know, maybe questions of elevation, which always, you know, people sometimes wrongly um, criticize WWE for. But um, that was far more prevalent in that that era of WCW.
2: Yeah. So who else would you have, like, kind of rounding out your top ten, Kyle?
0: I feel we hit them all. Like, you know, know, after the big three, I said, you know, okay, Bullet Clubs, they've got a discussion for number four. I, I would consider them four. Then I think you're looking at, you know... S.H.I.E.L.D. Dangerous Alliance, Heart Foundation, Freebirds. So we're up to eight.
3: Um, you haven't give us your thought on Evolution?
0: Yeah. So like I said, like, you run through the list. You know, if you just showed me a picture of the Evolution, or you sent me a link to Motorhead's line in the sand, I'd be like, oh, yeah, Evolution. <laughs> but it cannot be discounted how bad Raw was in 03.
2: Yeah, it was a good like
0: star-making group, but I no question put shield the shield over. Okay, okay, that part of the equation they rank very high for what it did because Orton and Batista were nothing really before that group, and both went on to become headliners. Um, I've said it before on this program, you know. Obviously, we've all come full circle with Triple H and Batista working each other at Mania this year. Uh, That Triple H Batista storyline. Which began late 04 and then you know culminated at WrestleMania 21 and actually what kept going on before that was one of the last great money drawing storylines for WrestleMania. I mean, now, you know, they just sort of put on a big match, but like you talk about an angle that took months to develop, that that did show did big business on the back of that um angle and feud. I mean, when Batista gave the old fake thumbs up and thumbs down to Triple H and Ric Flair, that's a top ten Raw moment, baby. Oh yes, yeah. Me and my friends imitated that
2: so many times. Yeah. After that, yeah. Um, Justin, your your final thoughts on your top ten? You can you can read off your top ten if you want to. Kyle's is probably off the top of his head, but I'll read mine one more time. So I got the Horseman at one, NWO at two, DX at three, Bullet Club at four, Heart Foundation at five, Shield at six free birds at seven dangerous alliance at eight the nation at nine and evolution at 10 so just missing my cut i would say would be a new day corporation uh raven's flock kind of is up there and the brood
3: uh yeah i got a uh, bullet club four horsemen nwo dx shield heart foundation Freebirds, evolution new day and uh dangerous alliance um, and I just want to throw out there one that obviously is not great by any means, but I just love the idea of was legacy.
2: Yeah,
0: it was, yeah, it was a good idea. It, it, it was kind of like evolution, but with yeah. Orton as the leader, you know, it, it was kind of, you know, we talk about things that, um, uh, you know, paired other previous groups. I, I think, you know, legacy was definitely, you know, Randy Orton in the triple H role of, of evolution. So. All right, Uh, my—I mean, I guess my top ten would be New Day. If we're—if we're counting them, I initially didn't count them as ten. Evolution is nine, Uh, Dangerous Alliance eight, Heart Foundation seven, Freebird six, Shield five, Bullet Club four, NWO three, DX two, Four Horsemen one. Nice.
2: I think we're all pretty close, like uh, yeah, on the same
0: page. Four Horsemen in terms of star making, I guess you know you could make the argument Pillman and Benoit. I really liked that. I mean, I know that we're not supposed to. Say any nice things about Chris Benoit anymore for good reason, <laughs> but you know I, I really liked that version. I love the match too that got them back together, where um Pillman, Arn, and St- uh, Pillman, Arn, and Flair all turned and beat the tar out of Sting. Mm-hmm. Lo- Halloween Havoc '95, love it. Yeah, just because the crowd actually bought. Like, man, wrestling crowds—the way they used to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just thinking about that match. If you want to if you want to go back, I know I've given many recommendations of the show, but here's another one. If you want to go back and watch that match, it's a tech Flair and when Flair asks Sting to be his partner, because Art and Pillman keep beating him up every week on Nitro. This is like the early era of Nitro. And then it's just a big, you know, ruse and they all kick Sting's ass. The crowd today would totally see through (laughs) that, right? Like everybody would know what was coming. That freaking live crowd, I mean. (laughs) You know, even like for me when I was I was like, okay, this might happen. But like that live crowd was just disgusted when Ric Flair turned on Sting. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Hogan's NWO
2: moment. Like that would have been people would have been talking on Twitter about that for weeks.
3: Do you suppose there was somebody in the crowd yelling, Hey, that's Blade Runner Flash? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I feel there's gotta be
0: some territorial stables that we didn't oh we're
3: definitely missing a bunch that's why i said mine was post 1990 basically yeah um i'm sorry
0: no No, i'll say but like the thing like back to like the point about the heenan family it was generally like you know in that era it would be like a manager with a group of folks rather than like a stable i mean like mid-south had the rat pack um
3: uh gary hart didn't he uh the yeah, j J-Tex and, and, or something like that.
0: Well, that was in, in in NWA. Like Gary Hart had his thing, and then like you know in World Club there was Devastation Inc. Incorporated too, um, Skander Akbar's group. But eh, I don't think those groups um, would make my top ten.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty confident in this top ten, and then the groups kind of just missing out. So, guys, this has been a fun discussion. I'm sure we've missed one. People are gonna mock us on <laughs> Twitter.com.
3: <laughs> Aces and eights. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> At Top Rope Nation, send us your thoughts. Oh, I was gonna read some of the listeners because I, I tweeted this
0: out earlier.
3: And, yeah, we uh, need to
2: do
0: that. We need to give the listeners some
2: yeah, we got quite time. a few responses. So uh let's see what some of them said. I said I'd read some of these on the air. So oh, let's see. A lot of people disagreeing with each other, got some conversation going. We should have um, probably mentioned the Wyatt family, by the way. That was one yeah, I had with. them kind of in that just missing out too. Uh let's see. Mr. Furman Torres, he had uh, the horseman at number one. Also, he had Dangerous Alliance at number two, DX. And then number four, here's one we haven't talked about, the main event, Mafia. Right? A little uh, TNA. Insert cricket
3: noises there.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't agree with that one, but the other three, all right. Um, Let's see.
0: They're below below the LWO for me, baby. Uh,
2: At Sober Wrestling, NWO, Four Horsemen, Freebirds, The Shield, he said, yielded three top guys, including the face of the company, is WWE's last male home run act.
3: That's Uh, what I'm talking about. Near and dear to my heart, that guy.
2: Um, Good take. Ant Dale 86, DX Heart Foundation, NWO, Horseman Corporation, Nation, Heenan Family, Ministry, Freebirds, Evolution. Uh, What else we've got? Uh, headlock talk. He said the Horsemen are probably number one in my book. NWO second with the Shield. A very close three. Uh, Kyle, our guy out there in uh, New Jersey, I believe he's got the horseman New New Day, DX, NWO, and the Shield. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Someone said that they ranked the Shield below the Horsemen, Freebirds, NWO, and DX. You know, pretty close to where we were at as well. So, yeah, and then we got a lot of people. <laughs> adding each other here about all oh, they thought they were wrong this is why they disagree
1: and love uh,
0: discussion
2: yeah <laughs> derek tropel being mr sarcasm out there the oh. natural born thrillers all right everyone well hit us up at top rope nation on twitter top rope nation at gmail.com if you want to send a word to the show leave us a rating we'll read it on the show next week thanks for joining us take care peace